Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. It's a podcast these days, and my name is Pete Vecchi, and um, I'm going to be leading a discussion today with a couple of pastor friends of mine. We have Pastor Mac Don McDonald from Danforth, Illinois, and we have Pastor Josh Kugel from Gulfport, Mississippi. You know, we're all standing here right where we can see each other almost personally, but that's because we're doing it via Zoom. And so, guys, it's good to have you with us today. And um, I have had something on my heart for quite a while. Um, let me just start it by saying this. Um, have you ever heard the saying that says something along the lines of it's that something is like fingernails on a blackboard? You ever heard that before? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, a lot of people, maybe there's some younger folks here today who are listening to us. They say, what's a blackboard? You know, because <laughs> uh, they don't use blackboards anymore. They use whiteboards and, and markers. But back in the days when I was in school in the ancient of days, it was um, a, a chalkboard because they weren't always black either. They were sometimes green. Yeah. They actually used green chalk. Yeah. Remember those, Don? Yeah, I do well. Yeah. And there was a sound that some people could not stand. And that was if somebody would take their fingernails and just literally push hard against that chalkboard and scrape the fingernails down. Has anybody, have either of you guys heard that? Or can you remember what that sounded like? Yeah. It, it was one of those where when you got bored in the classroom and you want to drive the teacher nuts, you'd just sneak up to the board and do it. And she'd get cringy and then you'd end up in the principal's office. Not that I had any experience of that, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing I wanted to ask you guys is, have there ever been any sounds? Maybe it's not that particular sound, but a sound that almost makes you un intentionally cringe you know it's like you hear it and it's like your face contorts it's like oh you know that almost hurts your ears when you hear it is anything like that ever heard hurt my, your my ears thomas, like that my thomas i'm uh, just checking this out ran into a group called black midi and they are from britain and it is experimental rock, math rock, progressive rock, noise rock, and post-punk rock. And it's all dissonant music. And it's all off the wall. They're from Britain. And uh, so we were uh, having a meal the other day. And he turns this on for his mother to listen to. And she was about ready to kill him. It was so, it was all <laughs> discord. And it was all, you know, there was no re resolving, you know, when you're in a minor chord, and it's really bad. And you have to make it a major to get it out to resolve it. If you're that well trained, it, it all stayed in, in minor chords when it ended. Oh, she hmm. was not a happy camper. So needless yeah. to say, I turned it on the next day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I thought about other other sounds too. Um, one of them that really gets to me, and it's even not even when I'm in the chair, but when I hear a high pitched dentist drill. Ooh. Sometimes it just makes my my face cringe, like you know, that's one of them. 
when I was a kid, there was this sound, again, that people today might not recognize. But back in the day, if you were doing yard work and you had to use a rake, they were made of metal. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And when a metal rake would rake against a sidewalk, it would make my face cringe. I don't know why that particular sound, but there are just simply sounds that it happens to. Josh, you've been awfully quiet. Maybe you can tolerate a lot of sounds. What do you think? I, I got to be honest. I, the only thing I'm thinking of is a few people's voices. And I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to mention why or when, but <laughs> you hear them on the other end of the phone or something like that. And you just kind of, I don't know. That's wrong. So, <laughs> well, it's not wrong. It's just what I'm getting at is there's an involuntary reaction that we sometimes have where just kind of like our, our, our face might contort or whatever, just because something we hear it is like, oh, you know, that's it almost hurts. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping that by, by describing some of these things that our listeners are going to be able to come up with their own ideas of what hurts. Now, now, Don, you brought it into the music realm. Um, and I do know this happens with certain music. For me, I, I, I honestly have no idea what you were talking about with that group as far as what they might sound like. Um, I might have to listen sometime just to hear what it's like. But what I have noticed is the higher the pitch, the higher the frequency, if it is off a little bit, mm. it just gets to the point where literally my face will cringe up. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, it almost hurts. And I don't know if you guys have experienced that. We've all had some music background, I know. So I don't know if that if that ever happens to you or not. I I do. There, there's some sounds from the car that I get that just get me. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I know what you mean, Pete. Yeah. Especially when the sound's expensive, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Well, here, here's the question that I wanted to get to. Have we ever experienced that kind of unintentional face twitching, cringing because of something that we heard in church? Mm. Uh, so some churches <clears throat> have a special every week because they're supposed to have a special every week. And as time goes on, the, the ones that sing really beautifully and all, uh, don't do it as much and you have to fill spots and sometimes you get the wrong people in there. Um, I, I don't know how to say that because I, I do, you know, I, I love that people want to sing and I love it, but uh, uh, there are times where, where pitch is in question and, and tone is in question. It just makes you, uh, you notice more than others. I'll just say that. Sure. Sure. Well, that's exactly what I was getting at. What were you about to say, Don? I, I think the, the hardest part, though, and Josh, you and I are in the same settings with small churches, is it's resources and quality is hard to get sometimes. Yeah. Because of the smallness. So you, 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 you sort of have to say, okay, does, is it at least close that it doesn't cause you to do the nails on the chalkboard experience, you know, and, and that that's hard to find that balance. I get because I came out of a mega church where, you know, you, you did Vivaldi and you did Handel's Messiah and, and all this great, beautiful music. So, you know, it, it's like, OK, I took a I took a, a little different approach with music here. And it, it's hard to find that sweet spot because I hear what you're saying, Pete, about what is. Yeah cringe-worthy and what is in your mind human-worthy acceptable mm -hmm. and, and 
and Don, I, I know this is where we're going, but do you have an obligation to like it because it's a church song? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bit right, Josh. It kind of like like that's where we're going. Um, yeah. I, and and I want to point out first of all that I am not specifically I'm not specifically speaking about a certain style of music. You know, I definitely have styles that I like. Don, I love the Vivaldi's and the, and the classical music. I, I love that kind of music. If I could have classical music, you know, in every church service, I think I would be in heaven. And maybe that's what heaven will be like for me. You know, other yeah. people think it would be heaven for for Southern gospel or for uh, you know gospel quartets or or whatever but you know there are different kinds of music and i'm not trying to say that one kind of music is better than another but i will say this that almost all music can be done better than the same type of music and worse than the same type of music um could it be that this situation exists because we've heard it said so often that we are to make a joyful noise i've heard that you know, when somebody says something about the quality of music, almost invariably somebody will say, well, the Bible says make a joyful noise. Yeah. Yeah, I've been guilted, I think, before, and I, I've witnessed people being guilted because they're not singing. And they'll say, well, God doesn't care what you sound like. He only cares that you're singing to him or he wants he, he, he you know, just like any parent would to hear their child or to see their child's artwork and their, their mm -hmm. child just put two little splotches on a piece of paper. And you talk about how beautiful it was. Um, the, the impression made was that God looks at what, you know, what we give him in the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, I've looked at this and I decided to say, well, where do we get this idea of make a joyful noise? And um, I looked it up and, you know, it's really the King James version of the Bible that says it. A few of the other versions will say it, but there are seven times in the King James Version where it talks about making a joyful noise. And, you know, they're they're all in the book of Psalms and Psalms mm. were what they were songs yeah. make a joyful noise. But does noise equate to music? Well, other versions translate the original Hebrew word that the King James translates as noise as shout. Instead of noise, they say shout to the Lord. Now, when I hear shout, I don't necessarily think of music. And uh, the thing is, so if you look in the Bible about this, the Bible really doesn't have a whole lot to say about the topic. But um, there is some peripheral writing about music. Um, I don't know. You guys have those scriptures there that I, that I shared with you. Um, Josh, would you read for us Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 42b? Yep. The choir sang under the direction of Jezreiah. There seems to be, oh, hey, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that, that was, was it. That. I was just going to say, there seems, <laughs> yeah. to be, there seems to be at least an implication that there's a, supposed to be some sense of order or direction rather than just a noise because they sang under the direction of Jezreiah. Now, there's a guy you don't hear a whole lot about, you know, Jezreiah, but he's in the Bible. How about that? God knows who he was. That's, that's great. But he was the director of the music, and uh, the choir sang under his direction. What would it be like if everybody decided to just get up and, okay, we're going to sing um, whatever the song might be, and we just started all singing, started on our own pitch and our own tempo, um, and some on key, some not on key, 
and you had a whole congregation trying to sing along. What would that sound like? I don't know if it would sound very good. I, just, I don't know if it would sound either. I think Paul talks a lot about order in a worship service mm-hmm. as well being yep. important he when does. people step out or or uh, or make it about them and showing themselves off i think or doing what they want rather than what's best for the group mm-hmm. um i think he tries to call that back in sure sure well and speaking of paul he wrote um he wrote something along the lines using music um kind of an illustration in First Corinthians chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Don, would you be able to read that for us, please? Sure. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for the battle? And just think about that, you know, back in those days, the trumpet or whatever they may have been the, the, the shofar or whatever they had in the in the Hebrew days of the battles. Um, think about even today. I don't know how much they use the trumpet or whatever anymore or the bugle, I should say. But, you know, in within the last, you know, century, they would use bugle calls to let the the, the soldiers know what to do. Are they going to charge? Are they going to retreat? Are they going to you know, do something else. And if you had a bugler who was not very good, I don't know. I keep thinking of the show MASH. Remember MASH with uh, Radar trying to uh, play the bugle? And he kept saying he had a cold sore. You know, and, uh, you know, they, they, they need to know what's being played. And um, so this section of scripture is not necessarily about music, First Corinthians uh, 14. But it does use music as an illustrative example by indicating that music should be up to at least a certain quality in order for it to be meaningful. So I guess what I'm wondering is how does this play out in church? Josh, you said something a little bit ago um, about, you know, it might be meaningful if your little child was up there and, and you don't really care how they sound but your child is going to be the best singer ever. You know, you're, you're proud of them. And you just said like a painting, if you see a couple little splotches on a piece of paper, Oh, well, that's the greatest thing ever. But honestly, and, and I don't know if I've said this out loud very often, but sometimes I think that what we put up with as far as quality of music would be like if we decorated our sanctuaries with stick figure paintings. I don't know yeah. if you've ever made that connection or not well i think if we're talking about our child too i think what's cute when you're three years old is not cute when you're 13 and it's definitely not cute when you're 25 mm-hmm. um, and you know singing twinkle twinkle little star off off key is not when you're when you're 13 year olds doing it in front of a big group of people you may not be quite as proud as <laughs> mm-hmm. <you know. laughs> so, so yeah i don't know pete you know because I think the hardest thing to now use the word differentiate is, you know, if, if this person's standing up there and they, and they're showing their heart in their music and it may not be the most, I'll use the word gorgeous presentation, but the heart is so strong, you know, God uses that, you know, and, and I think it's so hard to find that, that place of, yeah no this doesn't work versus but god is calling me to do this and it's hard to find that sweet spot i've you know, over the years of 
you know, being in the small church and working with, you know, my pre-adolescence, my adolescence, sometimes you, you, you let it loose, even though you know it's not going to be perfect, but it's a starting point. Sure. And that's what I was going to get to right when we were talking about it, because, you know, I don't want to be sounding harsh. Uh, I'll tell you one of the one of the things that has meant a lot to some people. And um, I have heard this happen before. Say you have an adult who is recently saved and really knows nothing about music, but just says, I, I want to get up here and I just want to sing. And it is absolutely horrible as far as musical quality, but as Don, Don, you just said, you can hear their heart. Yeah. Now, I, I guess that to me, if you know the story behind it, that might be something special. But at the same time, you know, I don't want that same person to be doing that same song, you know, five times a, five times a, a, a month or whatever. Yeah, we, we are obligated to do special music in some churches and situations, but I've always wondered why we have special music. Why? Well, I, I just got to be honest. Um, we have congregational music and it can be beautiful. Um, I, I was looking through the, the history of church music and there was a time when in church music, the music got so complicated that the, the, the regular churchgoer couldn't sing anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what they would do is they would come in and they would listen to choirs sing praises to God. I'm sure that's beautiful. I'm sure, um, you know, in the same way you would go to a concert and experience kind of that, but there's no participation in it. And I kind of wonder what corporate worship, how, how you justify corporate worship in a setting where the, the, the corporate, the, the, the group is not singing Mm -hmm. And we make it about, and, and sometimes I think that's devolved into, man, you should hear so-and-so sing. And I'm kind of wondering, okay, how does that lead to what corporate worship is all about anyway? And I, I just, I, I've struggled with that a lot. Right. I, I love hearing certain people sing. I like talking about, but, but have a, if we get to the point where we're talking about how talented somebody is or isn't, and they should be able to sing in front of the group. I almost wonder if it's not any more about bringing our best to God and, and kind of worshiping God and more about, um, I don't know, lifting up certain people over others. I, I, but at the same time, I see the point of, you know, God's given us talents and those talents should be used for, for worship. And I, I don't know what to do with all that. Yeah. You know? I, I think what I've done at Danforth, you know, because we did get to a point where people just didn't want to sing you know, special music anymore is I moved it over to a ministry moment. And in that ministry moment, I can cover a children's sermon that I feel called to because I don't do children's sermon every Sunday. I try to create an environment where you do something special and unexpected. So at least the people in the pew are on the edge of the pew going, okay, what's going to happen this Sunday? There's sometimes I feel the Holy Spirit saying we need to be out of rhythm here to wake up God's people. So we don't do special music every Sunday. We, um, you know, we try to mix it up that way. And I think that that's worked out better for us. You know, sometimes we'll do a drama. Sometimes we'll do music. Sometimes we'll do a children's sermon so that we don't have, you know, as Pete saying, sort of that, okay, we got to do the, some type of special music and it's more cringe worthy than anything else. So we're not forced into that. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you have a problem with people not singing during, corporate worship during the song time in church um i can't you know i've been at this church 27 years 
and they all sing out. This is a singing church because there's nothing. I'm sorry, I have to say it this way. There's nothing worse than going into worship in a church that barely sings because they don't feel called this thing. And then you don't have any energy. You don't have any drive. I'd rather hear some nails on the chalkboard. Yeah. Silence in that way. One, one of the one of the complaints I hear from pastors all the time is people at our church don't sing. And one of the things they trace it to is we have professional musicians professional musicians in a lot of churches but the other thing is we change music all the time and we sing new songs every week and i think a mixture of all of that has led to a, a devaluing of people contributing in corporate worship and all and um I, I just wonder if if sometimes this plays into it too especially where we begin to get a little we've put ourselves in a position i, I like this topic pete um, but what this topic really is 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 who who needs to decide who should be singing in front of the church and <laughs> The mere fact that we're having that conversation is going to convince some people that they don't need to be singing at all in church or they don't have the voice required uh, to sing in a way that their neighbor would hear them in church. And it's just, you know, so this there's really not an easy answer, but there's also not any good that uh, there's there's the, the, the potential that that no good could come out of the way somebody takes this away anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so. It, I, you know, and, and the struggle, Josh, you know, especially in the small church um, is, is trying to find that balance of professionalism over and against non-professionalism, shall we call it, and trying to find that sweet spot where you know it's not going to be perfect, but it, at least it, it locks in so that we don't have nails and chalkboard like Pete began this talk, you know, trying to find that podcast, trying to find that sweet spot. And and what I've done over the years, you know, here at Danforth to fight that, because you, you said it well, Josh, because a lot of your, you know, praise music, you know, some of it's hard to pick up right away. So I've always locked into, I do the same praise music at least two weeks in a row, just so people can get used to it. But I'm also old school where I know my people love the old hymns. I've never walked away from the old hymns. So I'll do three praise songs at the beginning. The worship service itself has the old hymns, which we're finally getting back to. This is during COVID and we haven't touched the hymnal and now the hymnal's open. We're rocking. Um, and, and, you know, and it was sort of funny, Pete, because here's how that's lived out in my life is my, all three of my children have said the following that have made me sort of tear in a joyful way. They said the church has walked away from the hymns too much. Yeah. The history of the church is in the hymnity, you know, type of thing. And if they sing it joyfully and it's let me, let me push back, but the history of the church is in 150 years of music. <laughs> so go, I, I want to know what you mean. <laughs> that pushback. I mean, um, I mean I know what, what about mean. Psalms? What about <laughs> but, I, okay? Yeah, you know, and, and part of it is my passion's music, so that gets me in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that we've kind of moved from, you know, are we looking at good music to what's the role of music in yeah. the church? Yeah. And I, I don't think that the two can really be separated because um, I think it's important. I think that we should have decent music. I think we should leave room for those who can do nothing but make a joyful noise. Josh, you asked about singing in church sometimes, especially if it's a newer song and I have to say that I think that there are some songs that churches are singing now as congregational songs that were never intended to be sung as congregational songs. That doesn't mean they were bad songs, but you know, yeah. there's a difference between you mean, somebody. You mean, 
say that again? You mean lyrically, they weren't intended to be. They're more of an eye focus or a, is that what you're talking about? Well, no, I'm talking even stylistically. Say, say for instance, you hear a Christian artist on, on the radio or, you know, on a CD or a CD that shows how old I am. How about on a, on a uh, you know, iHeartRadio or something like that? Um, you hear a Christian artist who does a new song and that, that artist is interpreting, that artist is, is you know, ad-libbing, things like that. And all of a sudden you get a praise team that gets up in front of the church and wants to do the same thing. And the second time through the chorus, they may have sung it the second time the same way as the first time. And then all of a sudden the third time through the chorus, right about the time the congregation is getting used to it, they put this strange la 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 la. Uh, or whatever you want to do, you know, and just kind of just ad lib. And all of a sudden the congregation doesn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I think that sometimes there are a lot of different, a lot of different reasons why I don't sing in church. And one of them is because I don't want to be the only one singing on the rest. Yeah. You know, and, and just I just think know. about I, that. <laughs> I think some of that's generational, but yeah. I, yeah. I, I just, can give you that one. Yeah, and 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 say it's not that it's bad music, right? But the yeah. question is, is it supposed to be the kind of music that we're we're leading as a congregational song, or would yeah. it be more effective as that quote special music, or as a time? You know, I have heard some songs by some artists, even though I'm not singing, just listening to them sing a special song will make me worship, you know, as much as if I were singing myself. So, yeah. It's just different ways of looking at it. And, and I think that the point is, I don't know that there is one correct, definitive, universal answer as to whether or not we should be looking primarily for quality or primarily about making a joyful noise. I think the key is the heart. But at the same time, Don, if somebody were to turn on your, your um, live broadcast from Danforth, Illinois, um, on a Sunday morning, and the music was so bad, how long do you think that they would keep listening? You right, know, right. I mean, so there's there's a there's a give and take, and I don't know that there's one right answer. I think that maybe I would sum it up by saying, you need to try to give of your best to the master, but maybe if your best isn't as good as somebody else, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep on trying and keep on on doing it from the heart. Well, I, just a thought, Pete. And I know we're in a day and age where we do everything online. We're streaming. We're even streaming this podcast right now. Was church ever, I know that may be a little off topic. Is church in its best format when you're listening to it on online or through a stream? Or is it supposed to be enjoyed in a place where you know the person that's up there, where you understand their story, where they mean so much to you that you'll even stomach them being off key for three minutes. Um, and, and I almost wonder if, if things have changed so much away from what really church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, you know, we stream, I think it's important, all that kind of stuff, but I would never stand up ever and say, look, that the optimal manner is when you're detached from the people you go to church with, not even in the room with them, don't even know them, but you're, you're streaming along with them. Yeah. I, I just don't think that's, I don't think that's what church was supposed to be. Right. So, you know, if we ask a question about what, you know, if, if somebody tuned in and they saw this, I, I think they would be turned off, but I also think the people in the room may actually think it's, it's better than it could be if it sounded good because they know the person. Um, and because, you know, it, it I, I don't know. 
I, I think Josh, your point's well taken in the light of make a joyful noise is not as important as the relationships that are being celebrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really right. is what you're saying. And, you know, cause to me, when I think about um, the life of the church, music is an expression of the heart that says where we're at with our savior and Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's really good, Don. I just know that for me, when I hear music, I feel closer to the Lord when that music is well done than yeah. I do when it's not. But Josh, I think you're so right when you talked about the the importance of meeting together at church. Being online is a poor substitute. I mean, if you listeners are using this podcast as your primary way of Christian education and and um, being educated, well, we're, we're glad that we can provide that service. But I also mm-hmm. hope that you're having a, a much more meaningful time with maybe small groups or maybe Sunday schools or whatever you might want to call it in your churches, that you're actually getting to know people personally and that uh, you can get together with them. So um, yeah. I think we're just about out of time, guys, uh, for this podcast. So I don't know if we've answered the questions totally about is it better to make a joyful noise or be um, or, 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 or to be full of quality music. And maybe the point is that we're not supposed to have a, a definitive answer here. <laughs> so um, I think with that, maybe I'm just going to go ahead and, and have us sign off. So for uh, Pastor Josh Kugel and for Pastor Don McDonald, this is Pastor Pete Vecchi, and uh, it is good to have you with us for this podcast of Reconciling Grace. May God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.